All right, guys. Hey, how's it going? My name is Dr. Charnell Wolverton Sihon. This is True TV. Super, 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 super excited about this one. Um, actually, even bought the book. I haven't dug into it yet, but we're interviewing Eric Stephen Rankin today, and some of you guys are probably very familiar with him. Um, his book is called As Above, So Below, and the under part of that says the quantum teachings of Jesus. I'm like, hmm, what is all this about? So I'm very, very excited. But um, first, I want to say hey to Craig. How's it going, Craig, my co-host? Very well, very well. Thank you. No, like I said, I'm super excited. Like I said, this is right up my alley, this sort of thing. So uh, I've recently been listening to Eric's stuff, and it's very impressive. I'm very, very uh, interested in what he's got to say today. Awesome. Awesome. And um, before we get started, I just also want to remind everybody, please go to swiftfire.org and or our new website is drshornell.com. That's how you can get on the newsletter so you know what's going on coming forward with our different guests that we have. We have a pretty good lineup coming up. Um, I think you're going to be really excited about it. So definitely that's the best way to get there um, for that information as well as books, CDs, which we have very few now and we're getting rid of, but MP3s, classes, um, my, my um, card deck is there and uh, there's a ton of, ton of great free information as well. So definitely go to drsharnell.com and or swiftfire.org for that. But without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Mr. Eric and we'll go ahead and get on with this discussion because I'm really excited to see where this is going to go. I love quantum physics and I love it all. Let's, let's get them on. Let me see. All right. Yay. Eric, how's it going? Can you hear us? Can you see us? All the way. I think he's in somewhere on the West Coast. Oh, hey, uh -oh. is he frozen? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, there we go. There he is. Yay, Hi, we got Hopefully we've got a good connection. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Looking good. Yeah. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Um, before we get started, well, let's start at the beginning. I mean, we titled this Sonic Geometry, but I'm also like really interested in quantum Jesus. So let's <laughs> let's not forget quantum Jesus. I'm about that. So we won't, we won't forget quantum Jesus. And it's been an interesting ride to see how uh, merging my research and, and, and all my work in what I call sonic geometry, I've been doing that for the last 11 years, uh, merges with the teachings of Jesus. And incredibly enough, they do. The more esoteric you get, the more you allow your, your mind to go out into what we think we know about this reality and some of the codes and clues left behind by other cultures and what they seem to be directing us to, and then you overlay this with some of the teachings of, of Jesus. It seems like he truly was very aware of a universal nature of how the universe works, um, from patterning to resonance to, um, you know, whether you want to call it the law of attraction. And I do incorporate some physics light into the book. I didn't want anybody to be overwhelmed. Whenever I start talking about numbers and, and it sounds like math, you can just see people glaze over. So I keep it math light, even physics light, because I'm no physicist, but I have been invited to, uh, you know, to speak in front of actual really top level physicists many times, work in think tanks. Um, I do these workshops out at the Integratron in Joshua Tree, California, where I have lots of top level people come and visit and want to attend the workshop. So it's been a, it's been an amazing ride for sure. 
That's superb. I'd love to know. Um, did you um, do you have like a Christian background, or is it just like you've had a, you're on a spiritual journey? So, what what what's your background? Both. I I had a Christian background as a, as a child. I went to a Seventh Day Adventist uh, academy in elementary school. My parents, you know, we didn't talk a lot about Jesus, but we did all the things you were supposed to do: go to church and pray before meals and bedtime and say God bless you and and all those things. Um, once once I reached my teenage years, I was less in, less intrigued or infatuated or felt less aligned with uh, Christianity as a religion, never with the teachings of Jesus. And then what was young adulthood after I exposed myself kind of in my 20s to Eastern philosophy, Eastern religions, if you want to. Meh. Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's give it a minute. Oh, is it on my end. Oh, are you there? There we go. You were just explaining about um, then you turn to sort of like Eastern religions, Eastern philosophy, that sort of thing. Just pick it up from there. That'd be great. Yeah. And really, there's so much of Jesus teachings. If you take out everything else and certainly the, even the New Testament and just focus solely on the words Jesus said. They, they dovetail beautifully. In fact, many of the stories that he told, he was an anecdotal storyteller. And I think that had a big, uh, a, you know, reason he connected with people was people could drop themselves into the story he was telling, whether it was about a farmer sowing seeds. But some of those stories are exactly stories you would hear from more ancient, by about 500 years, Eastern religions and, and teachings. So it seems like in some way or another, he was exposed to Eastern philosophy, and um, to me, it makes perfect sense. I mean, that that he wouldn't be. People don't know the timelines that Confucianism and things like that were around 500 years before Jesus, and certainly had a, a chance to find their way into the Middle East. I would think. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And and like you say, I, I've had a very similar journey in going and sort of even looking at sort of Buddhist teachings and how they all relate. You know, like I say, the teachings of Jesus um, and, and like I say, Eastern philosophies, things like that, um, and, and, and Taoism, uh, that kind of thing, which is exactly what you're saying. And it's in, it, it, truth is true regardless. So all these different sort of people throughout history have all tapped into this, you know, universal truth. And I guess that's what we're doing in this generation um, in this kind of like what many call like a mass awakening. Um, Sharnel, have you got any other questions? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, over 500 statements that Jesus actually gave in the Bible are pretty much direct quotes from Buddha. So there's got to be some connection there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I look at everything out of quantum, quantum science data type thing, and I've studied all of that too, and come from. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I started going to church um, in my teenager years. And then I kind of like went to uh, Bible school and actually went to seminary and was in ministry for 20 years. But when I started looking at other things, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is over here. And this is over here. And it's like kind of the same stories and right. trying to, um, you know, kind of much more, up. there's much more that connects the world's religions truly that separates them. If you get down to the core of the message they're trying to relay that life is eternal 
Um, we are spiritual beings having an earthly experience at the moment. The rules of kindness, compassion, forgiveness, what you might call morality or Buddha would just call right action. Those are common threads found in throughout so many teachings. And I just wanted to kind of bring it back, firstly, for myself. The book started as a project just for my own edification and, and merging together my past life in Christianity and my continuing search on a spiritual search. And I found that everything could fit, even the science part, the quantum part of it could fit beautifully nesting together. Um, so to give you a little idea of sort of the quantum nature, some of the things Jesus said, my book is actually a retelling, a modern interpretation of the book of Matthew. So if anybody's ever read the book of Matthew or not, they're going to get the opportunity to get the framework of what happens. That is the one gospel in the Bible that tells the full story of Jesus, miraculous birth, uh, his healings, his ministry, his teachings, uh, his death and resurrection. That one covers the, the familiar story that everybody knows. As if it plays out, if you take out the King James sounding thys and thous and, and the historical af aspects, it says Jesus came from 40 generations and it lists all those 40 generations. By the time you get down to the actual teachings and the story, you're a little bit put off by it. It's hard to truly grasp. I just wanted to be easy to read. And then following each chapter, I did what I called a reflection. So I would just pick one part of that chapter and run it through different lenses. Sometimes they're more Eastern philosophy lenses. Sometimes it's quantum physics. Sometimes it's um, through the lens of native uh, cultures, Aboriginal or Native American cultures. So it all seemed to work, but here's an example. So not in the book of Matthew, but in the gospel of Thomas, which is not one of the canonized um, books, gospels. But uh, Jesus' disciples are being sent out on their commission to spread the good word that God loves everybody and everyone's saved. And uh, they said, but how do we tell people, how do we more or less convince people that God is within you and you are within God, that you truly have this God awareness? And Jesus says, tell everyone that I am motion and rest. And that is such an, a strange thing to say, certainly 2,000 years ago, I am motion and rest. Well, if you think of what motion and rest really translate as, the most beautiful expression of it would be pulse. To have pulse, you have to have energy. If you have pulse, you have vibration. If you have vibration, you have frequency. So now you transport that message 2,000 years almost into the future. And Nikola Tesla said, if you want to understand the mysteries of the universe, think of energy, vibration, and frequency. So Jesus is almost saying the exact same thing. I am motion and rest. I am pulse. I'm frequency, I'm energy, I'm vibration, I'm, you know, all those things. So it's kind of like that. It's light reading. Um, and so far, the reaction, it's only been out seven weeks, but so far, the reaction has been way beyond my my wildest expectations. And and it's not putting off. Uh, I, I believe it's very respectful. It, it's not off putting to any faith. I certainly don't want to offend anybody. Jesus didn't want to offend anybody. Um, and I don't think he religious wanted, people. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even think he wanted to start a new religion. I think he would be surprised to think, you know, uh, oh, there's a religion in my name. I was just telling people how to be if they want to know how to live in the kingdom of earth right now. His number one message was the kingdom of earth, earth is here on earth. Kingdom of heaven is here on earth right now. It dwells within you. If you are a person that can perceive this experience as heaven, then it is. If you perceive people as kind, you're going to attract kind people into your field. That's resonance. 
so that's a, that's another quantum theory. This idea of uh, like take a tuning fork of set at one particular frequency, surrounded by a bunch of tuning forks that are varying frequencies, and only strike except one of them is tuned to the same one as the middle. Strike the one in the middle, and invisibly it will activate only the one that was tuned to the same exact right. frequency. Right. More or less saying that what your frequency is, you're only going to attract that potential frequency in another thing or another person. So if you are a person willing to um, step on other people, to not forgive people, to go around the world thinking it's danger and, and full of anger, um, you're going to excite that, uh, attract that energy into your life and be proven correctly. The, the universe is a yes machine that says, I will enforce what it is that you believe. <laughs> I'm leaving some room for you guys yeah, to no, talk no, no, you. I, yeah, I'm, I'm too much. Processing, just processing stuff because I mean we we've had you know we we all about this kind of stuff. Sean and I we really do talk about this stuff a lot. Um, to, you know, just the two of us and energy and frequency vibration really is our language and <clears throat> and we both come from a, a very Christian background. So you know I'm still a big fan of Jesus, not a big fan of the religion made in His name, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, uh, but. Uh, you know, we've we've kind of well, it's certainly my journey, and I'm sure Shana will agree that that you know, going into sort of like the the study of things like energy centers or chakras, and you know, our energy system and and our sort of the our aura or whatever people would call it, it's all a vibration. I think we've lost him again, haven't we? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, there he is. Okay. Sorry, sorry about the connection. I don't know if it's me, you, whatever it is. We'll um, ride through it. We will. We will. Um, I was just explaining, like you know, we we we've sort of looked into sort of like things like energy centers, root uh, chakras, and healing those areas and that sort of thing, and using music and sound and frequency to help do that. Um, do you delve into this in in your studies and your book? Uh, um, not so much in the book as far as the healing power of uh, music, what music is in relationship to uh, mathematics and especially geometry. But no, that is my gig. That is what I teach much more about than Jesus. This swung back into my life as a project I had started actually a couple of decades ago and just let it lay and truly had forgotten about it found an old manuscript and thought maybe it's a better fit now than I thought it was back then. Um, and it seems to be the other work that I do, what I call sonic geometry. That is what I really talk most about. That's um, it came out of the blue. I am not a person that was into mathematics. I failed geometry in high school. I never talked, took any math in college and didn't even go to college for very long. And, um, it came as quite a surprise. Uh, if I can tell it quickly, I was in my office building in 2012. I managed a, an office building and I heard an audible voice tell me to go into my conference room and draw a triangle on the on the uh, whiteboard. And I thought I was kind of losing my mind. Since then, I've had a lot of channelings or conversations with, you know, multidimensionals, uh, but not as clear as this. And so I went in the conference room. I took a pen. I drew a triangle. And this voice said, now um, make note of the sum total of its three angles. And about the last thing that I could remember from my geometry class is a triangle, no matter what it looks like, will always have uh, a total of 180 degrees between its three angles. And then the last thing it said was play that as a frequency, play that as a tone. 
And I'm like, wow, how would I even do that? You know, five years prior, you would have had to go to a, a music shop or a technical store and buy a tone generating piece of equipment, like to test speakers or something. But now on our phones, we can all have access to apps like tone generators. Mm-hmm. So I downloaded very quickly this tone generating app. I played 180 cycles per second and it just went, you know, mm. I'm like, okay, I did it. Am I done? And they're like, no, you're, you're just getting started. What's the next geometric shape? Next simplest. I guess, I guess it would be a circle or a square. What's that? 360. So I played that 360 right away. I'm a musician. I've played music all my life. I recognize that as an octave, the same frequency or the same tone, but twice in, as high in pitch or half as low in pitch. So if the triangle was la, and then the square was la, 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 la. I'm like, well, I guess that's interesting that, you know, I'm hearing an octave. That makes sense. It's double the the tone. So 180 and then double that is 360. So that gives you your octave. That's the way hertz cycles work. And they said, keep going. Then the Pentagon, five. if it has five sides, doesn't matter how wonky or lopsided it is. If it has five angles and five sides, I played that and that was 540. 540 now provides the perfect fifth of that first note. So it's la, 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 la. And I'm like, wow, now there is an important music interval. We're not just talking about octaves. Fifth is the most important interval in our westernized music. It's how our musical scale was built. It's called the circle of fifths. C to G, G to D, D to A, A to E, and all the way back to C again. And then every chord from major, minor, sevenths are going to have that first, fifth interval built into it. So I'm like, that's significant. I got excited. And then the the hexagon, that was another octave of the triangle. And then the heptagon, seven sides. Mm. That was, as soon as I played it, I recognized it as the third. So now it was la, la, la. And then the octagon was another octave of, of the pentagon. And I'm like, wow, primary geometry, which you can build every geometric structure from the primary geometric system, threes, fours, fives, sixes, sevens, eights, you can encapsulate or build from all geometry from that. But that geometry from triangle to octagon played a major chord. Now, why is that important? A major chord it's almost like we have been programmed. We don't even think about it. It's like the elephant in the room. When you hear a major chord, la, 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 played together, if you're watching a movie, that's when everything is right. The couple is falling in love. The war is being won. The angels are singing. The king and queen is being announced. It's triumphant. It's like, well, how is it the geometry is sending this chord to us that says everything is systematically right? And I just like, oh, my gosh, I got to pause right here. I ran to my computer. I Google searched geometry reveals major chord harmonics because I've heard everybody from Greg Braden, uh, Graham Hancock, people talk about geometry and music in the same sentence. And I'm like, I'm going to learn all about this. There was not a single match of geometry revealing major chord harmonics. So in those last 11 years, I am now the guy credited with discovering <clears throat> geometry reveals the major chord. And that's no small thing. And I can't believe I'm the last least likely person to <laughs> really discover that because even Pythagoras said there's in his famous quote, most people have heard the second half 
there's music of the spheres. It's actually, there's music in the spacing of the spheres, like the interval distance, not the spheres are humming. The first part of it says there's geometry in the humming of the strings. So you would think that would have been enough of a clue to say, well, let's look for the hum that matches the geometry or the geometry that matches the hum. And that had not been done. And <laughs> so that's what I lecture about. That's the launch point. Sorry, I was on a little bit of noise back here. Um, so sacred geometry I've studied for a long, long time, but more so with the images yeah. um, having power and or testing, you know, a certain way um, because of the shape or, yeah. or whatever. But I never thought to think of like the actual numbers and then plugging that in. What was the name of that app you were talking about? The Tone It's, it's app? just a tone gen generating app. There's you know, probably 30, 40 of them on every phone, you know, just get the simplest one. It can be free. Uh, I like it when you can layer it. They don't always allow the layering of tones that will let you play like that first, third, fifth, uh, and hear them together. A lot of people go, oh, it just sounds like the old dial tone. It kind of does when it's sine waves, but it's perfect. And that's really an important thing too, that we're talking about mathematical perfection in this triad. And not just geometry, but natural algorithms like the Fibonacci spiral or the pineal counter-rotation spin, they will reveal these same harmonics as they launch out from zero point. The first eight steps of the Fibonacci spiral will reveal those exact same numbers if you start from the, the right frequency. So it's like nature is revealing its mathematical correlation to music and vice versa, yet we do not hear mathematical perfect harmonics anymore. We have created multiple tuning systems for ourselves that while they are following the circle of fifths, we call it equal temperament. It's like fudging tones in the close proximity. So um, a G can sound like the, the great fifth of a C major chord, or it can sound the perfect to a G major chord. So everything has to be fudged. But if frequency does this many things, I can't get my hands in there, music that we listen to would be this much. Mm. The rest of it would be subsonic, ultrasonic, the power of it. So if you start wrong in your triad configuration, only minutely wrong where it sounds good to our ears because we're fudging, but if you elevate those like into dolphin hearing range, no longer in the hundreds of hertz, but the tens of thousands of hertz, you would be nowhere near harmonic. You would be, it, it would be shatteringly unharmonic and in high frequencies would probably shake things apart. Even at low frequencies, if you play actual equal tempered tuning at in a sine wave configuration, it has this weird wobble that sounds like it's almost shaking you apart. But mm -hmm. if you play a perfect triad, so in D major, that would be 288 hertz, that's D, 360 hertz, that would be F, 432 hertz, that would be A. You play that and all of a sudden it's just this glorious, smooth, angelic hum so and most people have never heard this triad even though we've all heard a major chord all our lives you've never heard a mathematically perfect triad unless you've watched one of my videos or have seen someone else that's launched out of uh, my research well i i was just thinking in terms of i don't do you did you ever know david van covering are you familiar no. with his work no so i did um conferences with him all over and he was a big uh patents on all kinds of, you know, music 
and frequency related kind of machine deals. And what he always said is, yes, the rocks even cry out and that there is like an energy or a sound to a crystal, which we are crystal and how we all had our own sound, you know, not just our voice, but I'm just saying like our voice. And with this app that you're talking about, I'm wondering even like with, you know, like numerology or our names with each letter having some number correlation um, like that put in to an app of some kind that creates some sound based on your name or who you, you know, things like that. I mean, this is just like really open up my brain to like all kinds of things of, um, you know, like muscle testing when we've muscle tested, um, let's say a supplement that someone needs as a physician, um, my doctor would muscle test me and saying, okay, you need so-and-so vitamin. But when I was, uh, when he pulled the vitamin and muscle tested me on it, he went through and it kept showing that I was weak with that particular vitamin, even though he just tested that I needed it, that it was strong. And he had went through the label word by word, by word, by word. And he tested, well, is it this word that's bothering you? This word, this one's making you eat, you know, whatever. And everything was strong except for one word, Ecuador, which I had had, uh, you know, a really bad trauma there. And so here the bottle, you know, if you're holding up a bottle, the bottle and the contents is what I needed, but because the label had a certain color and, or that word on it, it caused my body to go weak. And so with this kind of information of what you're saying, I'm just like, you know, pictures of sacred geometry or, and, or what, and, and then even our names or just words in general that could have an equation that create a sound you know, we don't know what is, there's so much, there's so much layering. We're just, we're just getting started with this, you know, the God bless the pioneers, you know, in the last couple of decades that have been toying around with this, but truly I know we are just getting started in being able to apply, you know, we've been learning about frequency and these correlations, but the application. So one of the amazing applications would be ultrasound. You know that we dolphins use ultrasound. They can see literally into each other. They can cavitate cells, rub them together to explode them in a focused way. So think of that, being able to do that with uh, cancer research, being able to target and just vibrate two particular cells together until they evaporate. We're learning those things. We learned ultrasound from dolphins. I mean, it was only because they were there, but this idea of frequency um, whether you're studying, I got to the, the rare privilege of spending a day with uh, Dr. Masaru Emoto, the guy who did all the research wow. water oh, yeah. before oh, he passed yeah. away about 10 years ago. And yeah, it was yeah. such an amazing day. He was such a gentle soul, but he understood exactly what you were talking about and why muscle testing works is the frequency, whether it's however it's expressed, the knowledge of the, the cell itself in the substance you're talking about the, and the knowledge combined with your body, they recognize each other right away before you even start. And you can muscle test. You can you can do these things. And it's the frequency match. You know, the frequency of love projected into water. You flash freeze it. And then you, you, you film, uh, photograph the thaw just labeled with love written on the bottle or like you said a, an imprint of something like sacred geometry or directing love energy and in the thaw you see these beautiful crystalline structures i mean beautiful geometry and you send hate or put the word hate on it and it's just this blobby amorphous looks cancerous so we are we're just getting started in this realm and i'm you know i truly hope we're around long enough we're we're, we're a, the greatest threat to ourselves and we have these teachers 
you know, philosophical or spiritual teachers like Jesus or Buddha or Gandhi or Muhammad trying to direct our attention to how we can. Ex <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Can we back? Can we back? Technical. Let's everyone send prayers for the technical issue. Victory. Come on back. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep jumping out for about 10 seconds and then it comes back in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and you know, even cymatics, if you're familiar with the study of cymatics, mm -hmm. um, where you vibrate and it's a very ancient, it's incredible how old the study of cymatics is. It was 1800s. I believe or it could have even been uh, further back 1700s when a German researcher, Schladny, I think he was German, put little crystals, sand or whatever flower on a flat plate and rubbed the side of it with a violin bow. And this these crystals went into this incredible geometric pattern. Then he would change the plate, a thinner or, or thicker uh, dimension, do it again, different bow, different material and make a different geometric form. It's it's so, so incredible. So I took uh, the three frequencies that I just told you, 288, 364, 32. That seems to be a very significant triad. And it happens to hold some mystical numbers. 288 down is 144. That's an octave down, half the, the value. 144 is found in the Great Pyramid. It's found in Mayan pyramids and, and the time system. It's in the Book of Revelation, 144,000. So here's a number that shows up 360. The whole world, while we don't agree on measurements, we have kilometers and miles, but we all agree there's 360 degrees in a circle. So that almost came a mythological number. And then 432 is this crazy number that shows up in myths and teachings and buildings and cathedrals, mm -hmm. um, stories, religions. So here you have these three numbers. You play those as a triad and we did it with water. So it creates standing waveforms. And what we got was a three-dimensional lotus, what looked like a five-inch tall lotus blossom looking down at it in an eighth-inch deep a little well of water being vibrated with all three of those tones, not just one. And I believe that it's multiple tones where we're going to be talking about true um advancement in what frequency is going to do. People talk about 528, the frequency of love. And even though I'm in 432, the 432 camp, which is not the 528 camp, I hope we don't have World War III over our, our fight over frequencies. <laughs> I don't believe any one signal frequency uh, is going to do much by itself. But when you start combining frequencies, and it isn't interesting that in, even in religions, we hear of the Trinity, you know, the Holy Trinity. Yeah, yeah. What if it's three tones? You know, what if that Holy Trinity is the three tones? Um, what's the guy who wrote Hallelujah? Uh, oh, Handel. No, the Hallelujah, the, the modern Leonard Cohen. Oh, Leonard Cohen, sorry. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and he talks about, I heard this, there was this secret chord that pleased the Lord. I mean, yeah. that might be those are the lyrics in the song that might be an actual thing that there is a holy trinity of tones or even more that's truly going to do something molecularly or maybe people talk about activating your pineal gland i think that's highly possible what what is this shape i was going to get onto this one i was going to yeah i was thinking i can't i can't the merkaba oh the merkaba so merkaba i'm not as into straight line geometry so even though I include it in my 
all of my lectures. Uh, <laughs> no. Shoot. Yeah, I would be interested to know like what the flower of life behind here is and also the Merkaba. And how would you even get the numbers for the flower we, of life? Okay. So when we come back, let's let's get to it. So okay. in, even physicists who believe that there's a geometric aspect to our universe, like there is a geometric grid, they're going to say it's based on this because geometry cannot get any smaller than this as a spatial place, placeholder, as holding volume. So that's the tetrahedron. After my first sonic geometry video came out, I was approached by all kinds of scientists and, and researchers. And one of them was an artist named Michael Evans. And he said, I really liked your video, but there is a smaller geometric form. And he says, it looks like this on one side. So it looks like a flower of life petal. That is 60 degrees of arc exactly, which is a flower of life. But he says, it's not flat. It's not 2D. It's 3D. And he called this, if you look at it this way, it looks like, you know, triangle and can't move it backwards. Not but if you see it this way, this is the true smallest geometric solid. And to be a geometric solid, you have to have points, you have to have planes, and you have to have hard edges. Well, this satisfies all of that, points, planes, and edges, yet it only has two points instead of four, three faces instead of four, three, ed uh, three edges. So now we're looking at this incredible structure that looks much more organic like a seed pod or an eyeball or anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's in spatial form now. So there is a structure that Buckminster Fuller called the vector equilibrium, if you've ever heard of that. The vector equilibrium uh, truly is the center of the Merkaba. There is a geometric structure to the Merkaba, and at the very center of it is this polygon shape that's known as a vector equilibrium. It's made up of eight triangles and six squares. You can read all about it. Buckminster Fuller wrote two huge books about it because he thought it truly was the geometry of the universe. Well, just by chance or not by chance, it is also the core structure of, of the Merkaba, an inverted tetrahedron. Some people call it a star tetrahedron where you have one uh, tetrahedron facing up and one facing down and they interlock. Um, so that's fascinating. But I became much more interested in the curvy linear aspect of geometry. So I'm going to go run and get a model for you very quickly um, because I'll show you something. Yeah, this is pretty crazy. Um, good stuff. I'm going to put the link in here because I know people are asking about the book. So I'm just going to drop it in here. Oh, I think that's what you're asking about, Charnel. Is that, is that include the flower of life, that one? Well... Uh, the, the book does not include the flower of life. Um, okay. That They could go to uh, sonicgeometry.com and see my two videos that talks all about that. Okay. So um, I'm going to show you a model. And at the very top of this model, maybe uh, maybe you can see that it's made of many versions of that shape I just showed you. Yeah. yeah Each yeah. between all of these balls is that shape. And right. at the very top of it is this vector equilibrium. So... If I can rotate it right, you'll see the square side of it uh, and the triangle yep. side of it. But I, what I let it do, and if you also right there, you can see that it looks like the seed of life. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! 
He'll be back. He's there. He's coming back. This is just so fascinating. I my my mind is like, yeah. This is okay. 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 So now we're into the matrix that Buckminster Fuller said, but he wasn't even talking about curvy linear. He was talking about straight line. But now we're in the curvy linear vector equilibrium matrix. I built it, built it, built it, just let it keep building itself. And it was sitting on a table. And when I was done, I was looking perfectly at the flower of life wow. at the bottom in 2D. So it's almost like reverse engineered 2D geometry is actually trying to reveal this 3D net that no other geometric structure does. Every one of these little dots repeats that exact same multi-plane flower of life. And it just keeps going into infinity small and infinity large. And consider yourself one of these nodes, one of these pinch points. Stop! I know, I know, I know. This is, yeah, and then technically, even this, I wonder what it sounds like, but with the Merkaba, and then there's a circle, but then there's the flower of light in between. But if this behind here is 3D, like he has... So so the, the Merkaba total is 1440. It's 1,440. So you can octave that down uh, 720, octave that down 360, octave that down 180. So the Merkaba is actually the same frequency as a triangle, as a circle, just higher octave. Huh. Oh, so, so many questions. Like I say, I, I'm massively in the 432 camp as well. Um, I like dabbling with... Um, Sort of like sounds, frequencies. I, to be honest with you, because I'm I dabble in music myself. As um, I just do what feels good, <laughs> so I mess around <clears throat> with chords, um, and I'll, and I'll, I I often find that sevenths just really do it for me. Sevenths, so like, yeah, sevenths yes. really just float my boat. So I'll do it like a an E minor chord, but if I throw in an E minor seventh, it's just like oh, something about it. It's what, what, why is that? You know, it's very interesting you mentioned that. So I've worked, I don't know if you've ever heard of Robert Edward Grant. He's become big on the lecturing scene. He's called, he's written numerous books, Philomath, Polymath. I worked on his research team for a year. Um, and I just listened to a podcast that he did. And one of the questions was, yeah, he got asked, is there mathematics to emotion? And he, he thought about that for a while. And I even wrote him yesterday and said, I really liked what you said, the mathematics of emotion. So think about it. We have pure mathematics in that major chord. And we have this emotion of, oh, that feels good. Yeah. But there's a mathematical aspect to that perfect chord that tells us almost like pre-wiring in our brain somehow, in our usness as humans, that certain chord arrangements and the mathematics of them are going to make us feel a certain way. Now take a minor chord. That would be a different mathematical arrangement. When you play a mathematical chord of, of minor and all of a sudden it's not happy anymore, it's foreboding and dangerous and sad. Now you take your seventh chord and it's often heard in Hawaiian music, the whole song might be, uh, might be in sevenths. It's a very longing chord. It, it, right. it strikes almost a tearful emotion, like a memory or something. So it's like, da, 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 da. And it just like shifts you into this, yeah. you know, so, so a song would go, dun, da, 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 da. And then it's like, hit me with the heartfelt message right there. You know, yeah. it's like, 
that's what it does. And um, I was trying to think of a song that would express that. I think. Um, it was in the movie Ghost. Um, oh, my love, my darling. I oh, yes. Oh, yes. Touch. And then when it gets into the really romantic part. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. It's just like move. You don't even have to hear the words anymore. It's just like, whoa. Yeah, and there's yeah. chord progressions that even do that yeah. to it. So the yeah. Star Spangled Banner ends with and the home of the brave bonk C major chord. But if you listen to it at a football game anymore, people have reinterpreted that ending, understanding the power of a chord progression. So if it's in the key of C, it would go A flat, B flat, C. So now it would go and the home of the brave and then yeah, we don't so, even need to hear that it's the home of the brave it just swells us so that's like mathematical emotion expressed through music so yeah. it's like truly is something hardwired into us that is ready just like you think of cannabis or mushrooms or psilocybin there's something already in our brain that is ready to receive certain right. things to activate us and open us up that's awesome I've, I've never heard it explained so well like I say because <clears throat> i'm very feel orientated all i know is it feels good so yeah. to have it explained like that is making so much sense and i love how sort of like you've got spirit and science coming together i mean true science is spiritual and true spirituality is science i couldn't agree more um and and the the, the division that's been made between them is just ridiculous yeah um, absolutely well, we're, we're about division. It's not surprising because as far as we can trace our roots back, and that that's 6,000 years, we know that there was buildings built three, 6,000 years ago. We imagine that there were cultures, call them Atlantean or Lemurian, whatever you want to call them. We know there's a mystery pre-6,000 years ago. But 6,000 years ago is important because it launches our modern society's first written language, cuneiform. It gives us our first inventions, not the tweaking of inventions, but it gives us the wheeled and axled vehicle, uh, the plow, the loom to weave fabric, the pottery wheel, um, the geometry that is 360 base that came. And that's all an ancient alien story. It's like the number one ancient alien story is we can read these texts from these 6000 year old Sumerians and said, how did you do all this stuff when the rest of the world looked like they were just hunter gatherers? How did you come up with all these inventions and the writings and the mathematics that became algebra and calculus and physics? And they're like, we didn't. It was gifted to us. These beings came from the sky and showed us how to do these things. So we're actually living in a world. Our modern world is actually an ancient alien story. And yet we and it's one of unity. You know, we will we will advance in unified field because the, the most greatest mystery still in physics in quantum physics is the unified field theory we know that somehow it exists because everything exists there must be a unified field theory well what's the most important word unified what are we not we're not very unified we're motivated by fear we're exactly opposite we're separation we're dualistic we we don't trust we don't we aren't kind we don't support it's me 
or they're going to get me. So I may as well get them first. Or they're on the land that has the water and fertile, you know, soil. We'll just go take it. That's not the mentality. Certainly combined with our advancement in technology, our consciousness has now lagged behind our technology. And that's a, that's a sketchy place to be right now. It's full of opportunity, but it's also full of, if you take a, if you take a mentality that we solve our differences by violence and conflict, we're, we're in trouble as a species. No hard feelings. We will just get what we deserve. And something else will cycle back around and life will continue. There'll probably still be a few humans that go, well, let's not do that again. Let's sh truly shift our thinking and our way of being. And that way will be a more Christ conscious way of supporting each other, not worrying about physical death, being kind and in service. Easy peasy. <laughs> you think, you would think. <laughs> so fascinating. Definitely. Well, as far as... The as above, so below, going back to the book, like the genesis of this was what? How did, how did this come into play? So um, I had circled back around to Christianity in my mid-30s. So that would have been 1994 for me. Um, my wife had stayed a devoted Christian throughout our, our marriage, and I had dabbled in everything and all my weird interests. And and yet I just couldn't uh, couldn't abandon I couldn't abandon Jesus teachings. So I started going to a church with her and it was a, it was a more open-minded church. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. Uh, it feels like Jesus teachings do apply to everyone in every situation. And I started just in that project of rewriting the book of Matthew, where there was no, um, there was no off-putting quotes. There was nothing like could be interpreted in any way, like worship me because Jesus says many more times, you can do the same things that I'm doing the kingdom of heaven is already within you. You don't need to go to other people to reach God. Go to pray to God himself. How did that get inverted into what Christianity is today? Almost exactly opposite by volume of his teachings. So I just wanted to like smooth over those few culty sounding teachings like, hey, worship me, because he really didn't even say that and make it about his universal teachings. When I did that, nobody was interested. I sent it to a few writer friends. I had written a couple books before, and they're like, who's going to want to read this book? It's too Jesus-y for non-Christians and, and too Christian and too, you know, blasphemous for Christians. Yeah, that's and, different um, than <laughs> And I shelved it. And yet uh, when I found the manuscript just a few years ago, I read it and I go, it just feels like there really is something here. So I sat down with it, retweaked it with my modern sensitivities of things that I'd learned. And then added those um, reflections and brought into it the things I had learned about the quantum nature of nature, of the universe. And it all came out very fluid. It was an exciting project. And the reception was completely opposite than it was 25 years ago, which blows my mind. Because, you know, here we're talking about Jesus 2,000 years ago. What difference could 25 years make? But it seems to have. I think it's been, even in the last three years, a big shift. I, I think I, that whatever has gone on in the last three years has been a huge catalyst for people really digging deep within right. and having time to research where, you know, when everyone was at home, you know, waiting well, for yeah. everything to blow over, they were like, well, let's study the things that we haven't been able to study and let's watch the, the well or whatever that we haven't been able to watch and it just do you, you want to you want to take um five minutes and read from the book a little bit sure do so it. go to chapter 28 
most of us are familiar that the book of Revelations is all full of, you know, the apocalyptic end of the world stories. But Jesus talked a lot about um, the end times and how he described it. And I don't want you to read the actual Matthew part, but he says things like, don't go chasing after these people that puff themselves up, sounding like, hey, I'm here to save the world. You know, I mean, charismatic type people in politics and religion and science. It's it's so contemporary. So I did happen to incorporate a, a, a classical study in physics is called Schrodinger's cat. Um, and that is to say that it was a thought experience. Physicists were saying, if you have a cat, you put it in a box with poisoned food. Did the cat die? Is the cat dead because he ate the food? Or is it still alive because he didn't eat the food? Schrodinger said, the cat is both alive and dead until it is observed. And that just blew everybody's mind open to try and wrap around it. So it became like one of the most famous examples of a thought experiment revealing the quantum nature that only until something is observed does it become something you can call real. So if you want to take like just jump down into the reflections of chapter 28 and maybe read start about a third of the way in. Um, and I think it will have some relevant meaning to where we are on planet Earth right now. You're talking about, okay, I'm on reflections on chapter eight and talk 28, about 28. Yes. Uh, 28. And yeah. it's going, referring to Mary Magdalene, Mary of Jacob, returning to the tomb the third day. Oh, right? okay. I'm sorry. It's chapter 24. <laughs> <laughs> That's too close to the end. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> 24. And enter the reflections and yeah. where we're going. And you could go about halfway in just to, if you see Schrodinger's cat mentioned, you can start somewhere there. Uh, da, 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 da. I see about the acop, uh, apocalypse. Yeah. Um, the mark of the beast. Right. Keep going. Yeah, you can you can just keep going down, you know, until you're about the last page of it. You, know, okay. you can read the last page. Um, let's see where I start actually talking about Schrodinger's cat. I am not. Oh, okay. Like Schroeder's cat, Schroeder, Schrodinger's cat. We must consider that humanity is both awakening to our greater potential and moving toward collapse at the same time with the choices we make here on earth being the deciding factor. That's what Bob Jones used to say is yet to be determined. Everything was yet to be determined Absolutely. because free will or free will agents. That's right. Someday the uh, proverbial lid will be removed and we will each experience a personal revelation as to which side of the equation we were on. Keep going. Yeah, I think so. Well, Jesus states that no one, not even him, knows the exact time or final act this great transition will occur. His words regarding the preemptive events leading up to it seem highly relevant to a particular time in history. And if to our, is, our particular moment in history, to, to yeah. our present day, yes. Yes, and if this is true, what should we do to prepare ourselves for this moment of shift? Where should we go if things get really unstable? We should do what Jesus tells us to do now more than any other day. Love one another. And we should go where he has always told us to go. Oh, I'm going to get upset. <laughs> I mean, within. That's my, this is my teaching. And we should go where he has always told us to go within. The instructions he's given us can be applied to any time, any circumstance, on any scale. 
live your life guided by that love, be of service, and do unto others as you would have done unto you. No world event, not even an, an apocalypse, can change Jesus' message regarding what will save our species and provide us entry into the higher dimensions realm that we call heaven. Mm, love that. Right. That is brilliant. I have chills all over. <laughs> People so, have been saying that about the book. And I, I kind of had chills as I wrote it. And I didn't want to over... I read spiritual books and I see the nuggets that, that you know, flashes of brilliance that came to somebody or clarity. And then I feel like, well, I can't just write that sentence and let it or paragraph and have it stand alone. I've got to, you know, preamble it and I've got to muck it up on the back end to where you almost lose the nugget. And I just wanted these things to come through like like a laser, like the teaching and let you feel into it. And you read it and you just felt into it. If, if I had talked more, you would probably have felt less. <laughs> yeah, less is more sometimes. Totally agree. Absolutely. <clears throat> do, we, do you have time for, for, for one more question, Sean? I think we, we do, don't sure. we? Sure. I was just curious, before we left, um, something that I had in my mind before we did the interview, something I've been thinking. Do you have any insight into, <clears throat> we don't know about the Merkaba, but, but the, the Star of David. Um, well, I'm very, very interested in, David as a person, because he was obviously a musician. I truly believe he understood what you're talking about. Um, and he used that knowledge to do what he did in his day. Do you have any yeah. insight into that at all? Well, it is fascinating that if you look at the Merkaba in its 3D form, mm -hmm. and at the core of that Merkaba, if you study and want to get to what does the center, most geometric shapes do not have a true center. None of the platonic solids have a true center. The tetrahedron, you can't say, well, there's a center point where if you draw lines to each one, they're perfectly balanced all the same distance. Only that shape that we call the vector equilibrium has a true center. It's called equilibrium because all 12, and think of it, the magic of 12, 12 disciples around Jesus and all these 12 references, it has 12 vectors that go out and they're all the exact same length and all offset offset by the exact same degree 60. That structure is what anchors is the true geometric core of the Merkaba. Now take that 3D Merkaba and say I want to leave a wink wink telltale trace to the humanity of that the Merkaba matters, the vector equilibrium matters. Well, that's what the star of David is. It's right. a 2D representation of the 3D model of a Merkaba. So yes, absolutely. I believe our species has been gifted codes and clues and keys for at least the last 6,000 years. And a lot of them are numeric. You will see tons of 432s, 288s, 360s, 72s written in either built into these spiritual structures or written into the myths and legends and religious teachings. Vibration plays a huge role. I mean, every religion virtually has a vibrational aspect to it, whether it's Gregorian chant or bells or chimes or gongs or didgeridoos. I mean, we understand the significance of frequency. So now take that frequency, our understanding of how significant frequency is. Take these ancient teachings that have number runs like 288, 364, 32 together, combine those two, and maybe our exposure to those triads will truly unlock what people say you can do by drinking, un, you know, chlorified water, truly activate your pineal gland, 
where you get to see the true essence of what this matrix is, not the small matrix like the movie, the universal matrix of life. You get to see it, which some people would say they see on a psilocybin experience that they're opened up and seeing a grid or seeing geometry or seeing shimmer energy movement that's available to us. And vibration is probably without the, the psychoactives, vibration is probably the way in. Well, I mean, and even with like crop circles, it's like, who's bringing this and what, what is the sound? You know, yeah. obviously there's a sound in that. And there would like, be. Absolutely. What's the message? What's the code? You know? Yeah. Um, I've heard that because we get a lot of crop circles here in the UK down in uh, Averbury, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and I have listened to a farmer, saw one once, and he walked into it and he couldn't stand up because the energy, he was like he was like falling over, he was like, he was like drunk because um, the energy in this crop circle, you know, and it's like, I think he had like a download that said these are codes, they're literally coding the earth, coding humanity with these shapes, signals, signs, whatever they are. And they're uh, just waiting for somebody in consciousness. I, I'm not talking about little green men in ships. I think that would probably be just a slightly higher level of us. If we saw beings that are still navigating craft with propulsion systems, that's just probably our evolution in another 100,000 years or whatever. We're talking about multidimensional beings, phase shifting, streaming right. faster than the speed of light, streaming at the speed of thought into directly into our heads, not you know needing a craft. And um, I think that that's where we're where we're kind of headed in opening up this this field that somebody wants us to know this information. They want us to see the mathematics and hear the frequencies of nature's patterning. And we're we are live. You and I, we are the generation that is putting these puzzle pieces together and going, oh, my gosh, it's like Swiss watch accuracy. It's not kind of sort of close this over here and that over there. And isn't it interesting how close these things kind of are? We are talking about precision, perfect precision in these number sequences, which to me means there's something far more significant happening here. And we are just starting to figure that out. Awesome. Absolutely agree. Well, isn't it interesting? You made a couple of references to psilocybin, how when people have psilocybin, they claim to see just geometric shapes. They see them flashing. Yeah. And I'm thinking they're obviously tapping into something there, aren't they? <laughs> and our brain, just like with cannabis, how incredible is it? I'm not talking about chemical drugs. I'm talking about things that grow out of the ground, like cannabis mm -hmm. or mushrooms. Makes Something that grows out of the ground, you pick it up, you eat it, and all of a sudden you're activated. And there's you're only activated because your brain was built with these receptors waiting to receive these compounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's a symbiotic relationship. When you If you get past the demonization of psych, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, you know, psychoactives. But I have experimented and I do see what people are talking about. I'm a huge fan of Alan Watts, and he was right. very much a proponent of not getting too hooked on psychoactives, but for that experience of knowing them appropriately, there is yeah. something, yeah. yeah, out there very sacredly. I, you know, mm -hmm. uh, people partying on these drugs uh, or drugs, partying on these substances, I, you know, I think you're totally missing the mark. Go in nature, go in daytime be relaxed, comfortable, happy in your best space. Don't overdose yourself and just feel into this gift of, of what's trying to be presented to you. And then say, I saw that there's more and now I'm going to go lo live as if I know there's more rather than I got to keep coming back to the well and seeing the, the visions again. <laughs> Absolutely.
Well, we're we um, so thoroughly enjoyed this. I know we I know both of us have and so um, very, very much appreciate your time. And where can people find you? Um, I did put the links for the book and your website, but just verbally so you can let people know in case they're not looking at the at the, um, the links below. Where can yeah. people find you? So if you're more into the science frequency part, you would go to my webpage, sonicgeometry.com. All one word. So it's like, uh, you know, sacred geometry, but replace that with sonicgeometry.com. You will see two videos that are informational based and one that became more of a download. It's a shorter video. All three are there. The reason I invite you to go there instead of YouTube is because my videos have been pirated to the tune of millions and millions of views. And I've never gone after anybody once because to me, the information is what matters most. So you won't, you'll get a little bit of their work combined with mine and just, just go to sonicgeometry.com. The book on Amazon right now is the best way to find it. And that's as above, so below the quantum teachings of Jesus by me, Eric Stephen Rankin. Amazing. Awesome. That's going on on my list. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. I, I appreciate it. I'm yeah. sorry for the shipping uh, to go to the UK. Shipping's, uh, you know, the price of the book almost. But <laughs> Send the load over. I'll distribute it for you. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. And again, um, we, you guys check all those links out, follow him, dive in. This is really cool information. And it's something that maybe can unlock something for you specifically personally with whatever you're going through. Um, I'm, I can't wait to get in and read this even more. Cause I just read just that, what three, three chat, three paragraphs there live and got emotional just sitting here reading that. So um, yeah, definitely go check that out and definitely um, keep, keep um, connected with us here. You can go to drshornell.com or swiftfire.org. Um, to find out again, whatever's going on. If you didn't hear it at the beginning, um, that's where you can get on the newsletter to know who we have coming and when and what classes and different things. We have an abundance class that we're teaching. Uh, Leslie and I at the end of this month It's a three week course. Um, Y'all are welcome to join us. It's going to be fun. And it's actually going to be a science experiment, just like what he was talking to earlier. We are going to do some things um, with science to see how we can all move together um, with the power of um, unity and, and abundance. And, um, Craig, tell us a little bit where, where people can find you and then we'll just, um, we'll go for the day. appreciate y'all. Yeah. It seems appropriate to say, um, I am in a band, um, I'm in a band called Nth Ascension. That's N-T-H Ascension, uh, fans at nthascension.com. Uh, we tune to 432 Hertz. Um, we did one album in 444 Hertz. Um, but we, we we reverted back to four three two. Now we felt uh, that was the right thing to do. Um, go and check us out there. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I have a meditation music channel, uh, Craig W Ascension Meditation, where I'm basically just being completely self indulgent, um, playing these nice chords that resonate with me, and uh, people seem to enjoy it. So check that out as well. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, Eric. We'll be in touch. Appreciate you both so much. Thank you for letting me on. Peace out, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for watching.